and I don't have parents that were born and raised on a farm. I myself was not. I grew up in a suburb and I lived half a block away from a grocery store my whole life. Um, so for me to think about moving out into the middle of nowhere, like wh where do people buy stuff? How do you do things? It was like moving to another planet. Welcome to Choosing to Farm, a podcast for first and returning generation livestock farmers and ranchers to share their stories, find connection, and provide insight into the life of farmers who didn't take the traditional path. I'm your host, Jen Colby. Jen, thank you so much for joining us. Um, first, a little bit of news. Grastravaganza is coming up in July in upstate New York for our Northeast listeners. Um, I love a good midwinter conference, but there is just nothing like a summer event to actually get out and see pastures and talk about them with other nerds like us. Okay other nerds like me. Anyway, some of the speakers at the event are going to be Greg Brand of Kentucky and Hugh Aljo of the Noble Research Institute in the Southern Plains. Um, Shannon Hayes from Sapbush Hollow Farm. She's written a bunch of books as well. She's awesome. And Troy Bishop, the grass whisperer. So some of us call him the king of the grazing chart or the uh, founder of linger grazing. Anyway, I am excited to attend both as a panelist on an agritourism session, and also I hope to record some interviews with some first-gen folks who are attending. So I hope that you come along. Um, I'm dropping details into the show notes. It's good to start planning now because it will be the end of July before we know it. So thanks. So a little while ago, I started to actively try to build my Instagram presence by for the podcast by following lots of other people. So I've been looking for farmers and ranchers, you know, anybody who seems to be doing what we're doing, figuring things out along the way, not necessarily first gen, maybe they've gone through some sort of other transition. Um, Becky Harhai of Rebel Rooster Farm was somebody I just fell into following partly because I love the name of her farm, Rebel Rooster, and partly because I thought she was just incredibly cool. Um, she definitely did not fit the picture I had in my head of the traditional farmer, and if you look at the uh, cover graphic photo, you'll understand what I mean. Well, it turns out that she is incredibly cool, and I'm just really incredibly grateful that we got to have a conversation together. Um, I'm also extra grateful because she was so patient and so thoughtful. Well, I was in a remote location, and I just kept dropping, my internet kept dropping on her, so I've edited most of those drops out, but you might hear a little bit, simply because I didn't want to lose the completely insightful things that Becky had to say. So without further ado, here is Becky Harhai. My name is Becky Harhai, and I have been living on our farm now for six and a half years. We, uh, we lived in the Twin Cities. I grew up there. My husband grew up there. Uh, we started a family there. We lived on a cul-de-sac, and we're both working full-time, nine to five. We decided that we really wanted uh, to search out and find quality meat for our family. So we started purchasing a half a cow, quarter cow, whole cow, depending on the time of year. We were purchasing that directly from a farmer and we had started purchasing whole chickens from a farm because the quality was so much different than what we could find in a grocery store. Um, and we were enjoying time on the weekends away from the Twin Cities up at our in-laws, my sister-in-law's cabin. And my husband said, you know, it would be nice to have a place to get away to on the weekends and relax and sit in a cabin and enjoy nature and get the kids that experience of, of doing things more outdoorsy, you know, fishing in the river, things like that. 
so we started looking at cabins and thought, you know, do we want two house payments and two homes to keep up and two yards to mow and two sets of tools and two of everything? It seemed like so much more work. And the more we had thought about it and thought about uh, the, the scarcity of quality food, we decided that maybe we just need to move to a place permanently where we can raise our own food and, and give our children the opportunity to be part of nature and get away from the city and get away from that craziness. So we decided to start looking at farms. And when my husband first said, you know, it's going to be hard for you to continue working your job and live on the farm. So maybe you should look at being the one in charge of the farm and doing the farm things so that he could still continue doing his job. So he owns his own company doing engineering work and he's able to work remotely. So it didn't really matter to him. You know, he, he could, we could basically move anywhere and he would still be able to conduct his business. He didn't have to live close to a large city. He didn't have to be in the suburbs. So it was really up to me to jump in and say, okay, I will give up what I've done for the last 15 plus years. I'll give up the career that I built and start something completely new that I know nothing about. And I don't have parents that were born and raised on a farm. I myself was not, I grew up in a suburb and I lived half a block away from a grocery store my whole life. Um, so for me to think about moving out into the middle of nowhere, like wh where do people buy stuff? How do you do things? It was like moving to another planet. So when my husband first suggested things like, okay, well, we'll raise our own chickens and we'll get some beef and we'll have dairy goats. I think I laughed so hard that I cried. Where on earth do you even buy a goat? <laughs> you don't run up to, to Target and get a goat. Like, where, not a goat where store. Would you even, there's no goat store. Where would you even buy a goat? You know, the, the only exposure I had had to animals was, you know, the Dakota County Fair or, um, you know, going to a pet store. Uh, we, we had a growing up. So I guess there was a little bit there, but a farm animal, you, there's no farm animal store where you go purchase things. So it was this foreign idea to me that somebody would have goats and then, and then take care of them and then milk the goats. Like, how would you even milk a goat? So, so now I have several goats. Um, <laughs> So you found a goat store. I, I feel like that's store. a separate story, which we'd love to ask. About one of everything. <laughs> <laughs> so we started looking for farms and we did, we really wanted a home that didn't need a ton of work. And we wanted a barn that could house animals that wasn't, you know, falling apart and in decay. Uh, we wanted pasture because we were passionate about raising our animals using rotational grazing. We wanted some woods because we loved being in the woods so much and we wanted some water. So a river or a lake or something. So we kind of had this idea in our head of this perfect place. And every place that we had looked at, you know, the house was beautiful, but the barn was, you know, barely held together by a few old rusty nails or the land wasn't right. Or it was um, in an area where there was no internet which my husband absolutely was like, we have to have internet in order for him to run his business. Okay. Um, so we really didn't find the perfect place until we found the, the farm that we currently live on. And as soon as we were here, it's like, this, this is it. Like it has everything and it's in the middle of nowhere. It's so quiet and it was so beautiful. Uh, and we had walked the property just to check out to see what the pastures look like I of course was wearing like a nice pair of slacks and nice shoes what I was thinking I'm not sure I don't even know that I own nice shoes anymore <laughs> I was gonna ask you do you still have those shoes <laughs> I do not I have a nice pair of town shoes so when I go to town I have boots that don't have mud and other things on them <laughs> Uh, but as we were walking through the pastures and checking out the woods, my husband uh, used the L word and he's not the kind of guy that would throw that word around lightly. So I knew right then and there, like, yep, this, this, I, this is it. This is our fit for starting 
our own little farm and moving away, um, I had one person after another, after another that knew the old me that was, you know, part of my life that looked at me like I had grown a second head. What do you mean you're moving to a farm? You, you don't know anybody where you're moving to. You don't know anything where you're moving to and going to be doing things that you know nothing about. So what on earth are you thinking? And I guess my husband and I are kind of approached it that if we failed, then we would just move back. And if it didn't work out, there's always going to be a job. There's always going to be someplace hiring where I can move back and find something to do. So there really wasn't a safety net, but there was a safety net that if it doesn't work out, no big deal. We'll sell it. We'll move back because there's always going to be that chance to take a step backwards. It's really hard to go forward, but going backwards is easy. So we decided to take that leap and move somewhere where we didn't know anything. And people had asked us, well, what if something happens? And what if, what if this, who would come and help you? Who would come rescue you basically? And uh, I think that me and him didn't really think about that because we're both the kind of people that whatever comes up, we're going to figure it out. Everything is figure outable. We'll figure it out if that (laughs) thing comes up. And to need this community until you're in that that environment it's hard to know what you need from your community well now after six and a half years we have a community built up of of other farmers and friends and neighbors and um we have people that we can lean on or ask questions to but there was no way for me to acquire those things prior to moving to a farm you just are not, you have no idea what you're going to need until you actually move to a farm. Like I had this idea in my head of a beautiful farm and, you know, flowers and the bees buzzing and <laughs> sitting on a porch sipping lemonade. And it was going to be this luxurious lifestyle out of a, you know, a picture in a calendar. <laughs> <laughs> and a farm is nothing like that. <laughs> yeah. What is what, it, that original <laughs> picture versus what you really live? Like, what is, what is that? What, what do you like really live compared to that, that picture? Absolutely. Now there's a handful of days every year where I am sitting on my porch and relaxing and the bees are buzzing and the, you know, the, the, the trees are softly blowing in the wind and all the animals are happy and content. Nothing is broken. There are plenty of those days every year. They're not a lot of them, but the, when they do come around, they are worth all of that hard work to get to those days and those moments because there would have been no way for me to really appreciate those few days every single year if I didn't have all those days where I was working hard sun up to sundown and having one hurdle after another on the toughest days so that I could get to those relaxing days where I'm sitting and looking over my pastures and watching my animals graze there's no way to appreciate it unless you worked for those days. So even though we didn't have a lot of people that were confident that we were making the right decision, me and my husband knew we were, we were making the right decision because we were doing it for our kids. And you're, if you have kids, you understand that you're willing to do things that the childless you probably would never even thought of. I wanted to be able to raise them somewhere safer and quieter and feed them better food. Um, and I'm, I'm able to do that living where we live. And I wasn't able to do that where we used to live. Now, where we used to live, it was a great neighborhood and it was, it was fine, but it wasn't quite what, it wasn't as grand as I wanted it to be. <laughs> so we were able to find the farm and move in and the we moved in on a Friday and we had animals delivered on Saturday yeah. afternoon. Right? So we weren't even here 24 <laughs> hours. The, so the ghost store. So we yeah. had visited some How farms did that even work out? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> before we moved here, you know, uh, you know, when you buy a house, you don't move in the next weekend. So we had some time in between date of ex- they accepted our offer to the date that we we're going to be moving onto the farm for me to, um, you know, <laughs> buy rubber boots. I'd never owned rubber. Why would I ever own rubber boots? No normal person 
would ever go to a store thinking like, oh, those are really cute and probably comfortable all year long. No, no one ever thinks that until you absolutely need them. So I was doing things like buying rubber boots and um, getting, you know, farm clothes, a, a set of farm clothes for my kids thinking we're going to move to this place and they've had city clothes their whole life, but we now need all these other farm things. <clears throat> so we had visited several farms kind of, you know, asking questions and getting an idea of what we were really getting into in hopes that we would be able to find some animals to get us started. We wanted some beef cattle that we could rotationally graze. And um, we had met a lady that we bought some beef cattle from and she had the most beautiful black rooster. And he is the reason why my logo is a rooster because he was absolutely stunning. So we're, we're there looking at these cows and oh my gosh, I absolutely, like that is the most beautiful bird I've ever seen in my whole life. Um, he was a black Australorp and she said, oh my gosh, you want him? He is so loud and he's driving me crazy. And like, I, and I'm thinking like, I just hit the jackpot. I now have my own rooster. <laughs> so uh, we got him and several hens and several chicks and a goat because I can't control myself when I go to a regular store, an impulse shop. I certainly can't control myself when I'm at a farm. Like what else do you have for sale? Uh, what else do you have in the back there? Is there, is there something else that I could buy and stick in the trailer and bring home? Is, <laughs> I don't know if I'm the only one, but I can't just go and the, buy the one thing that I was supposed to, if, if you have a grocery list of three items, I'm walking out with six because my brain for whatever reason. So we moved in on Friday, Saturday afternoon, this lovely lady brings our four cattle and a goat and <laughs> some chickens and a rooster and some chicks. And I had my, my farm starter pack delivered the day after we moved in. And I can still picture in my head the moment that those, the, the cattle had left the trailer and started running the pasture. And in that moment of, uh Oh, I have to feed these giant things and keep them alive. What on earth was I thinking? What are we going to do? Um, I feel like I know less now than I did six and a half year ago, years ago. My confidence level was so much greater. Like, Oh, I'll be able to get this. This is no problem. And now that I know as much as I know, and I realize how much there is to learn about living on a farm and, and caring for animals, I <laughs> don't know that my, in, my confidence level has increased. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it's amazing how much uh, you don't know until you know a little bit, and then you realize that the, the span of knowledge still yet to learn is so infinite. <laughs> um, so yeah, we had purchased books and we're watching YouTube videos every night before we moved to the farm. And we were reading forums about uh, animal husbandry and pasture management and learning, trying to cram basically, cram and learn as much information as we possibly could. Um, not realizing that most of it would be completely useless because when it comes down to it, there's Nobody writes about situations like, oh, you didn't have, you're going to need at least 50 extension cords at all times if you live on a farm. And there's no ah. such thing as too many. Like I never owned an extension cord. Why on earth would I ever have owned an extension cord before moving to, I'm not sure. But we didn't own an extension cord and they come in different thicknesses and they have different purposes and they don't all work all year long outside and in different climates. So it was little things like that that we couldn't read about and couldn't learn. But the, the, the big things, the important things, uh, we were trying to you know, cram for before moving to a farm. And my husband said, go online and buy whatever books you want to buy and just start reading. So that's what we, I had to figure out where the goat store was. So, all right, I guess we're buying some goat books and figuring out how this works. Um, and that first night that we had to milk a goat, <laughs> I, I cried pretty hard. <laughs> I made it through. And the next night, my husband had built a milking sand so that I could actually milk the goats. And oh, the, the first night, it took, took a long time. But the very next night, much faster. And the night after that. And now I think about milking goats. Like, yeah, I can get six goats milked in 
12 minutes, maybe, you know, and now I look back at it like, oh, why did it take me two hours that first night? I don't even know what I was doing for most of that time in between sobbing and wondering why I made the decisions that I had made up until this point, you know, <laughs> you know? I do. <laughs> I do. I'm just, I'm just flashing to the very first chickens that I ever processed. Um, we, we had 15 chickens, 10 of whom decided at one point or another, they were going to run in the road and die. So we ended up with three harvestable or five har harvestable chickens, two hens. I decided to keep, which was a terrible idea because they were meat birds. And of course they died anyway, um, cause they got egg bound. And then three roosters that we were going to process. It took five hours to process three roosters and I couldn't even bring myself to eat them afterward. It took so long. I was like, I just hate you now. Like I hate everything about you now. <laughs> the next year was so much better, but that first year I was just like, I don't even, I don't know how to kill them. I don't know how to pluck them. I don't know how to do any of these things. Yeah. I'm feeling yeah. this. I'm so feeling this. Yeah. Um. So after we had moved here, we, uh, I was still trying to run the farm I got the boys enrolled in school my two oldest boys enrolled in school and I was still trying to work some hours at my old job and quickly realized like this is it's not going to work to drive two hours in one direction to work an eight-hour shift and try to drive back and and tend to the animals um it just wasn't going to work out and we had a very windy day uh on the farm and my husband and my kids and I we were up in the Twin Cities doing some stuff. And when we had come back home, uh, somebody had shut the gate over our driveway uh, because the gate for the pasture had blown open and all my animals were all over the place. There were goats on the deck eating my flowers. There were cows walking around the garage. It was mayhem. And thank goodness a delivery driver had come to make a delivery and saw that it was chaos and he uh, had shut our gate over our driveway. So at least the animals were contained. Uh, they weren't really in the right pasture and it was kind of a mess when we had got home. But you, you quickly realize like, okay, if I'm going to leave, you need to make sure that, you know, all of, all of the, the gates are secure and that the farm is okay. And there isn't, I'm going to leave for 12 hours and come back and think, that anything would be okay. Now, if I, when I don't leave, nothing happens, but of course, then I go, try to leave and it's in chaos happens. Right. So I, with that. <laughs> quick, <laughs> yes, I am. I'm willing to bet that most people, um, on a farm, like there is no action, there's nothing happening. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, everything is happening. There's no gradual buildup to, the moments of chaos it's either completely calm or complete chaos and there's not a lot of in between <laughs> so I had uh stopped working at my job and um about nine months after we moved here I realized that having a minivan and trying to be a farmer wasn't going to work out being that we lived in the cities I had a minivan it was great it was reliable. It had great gas mileage. You could buy a ton of groceries. My kids fit in. It was awesome. I loved my minivan, but it wasn't quite working, you know, going to buy a goat and putting a goat in the back of a minivan. And I had bought a bunch of ducks while the ducks went in the back of the minivan. So I had finally found a truck to purchase so I could have a farm truck and do things like farm should. Um, and four days after that, I found out I was pregnant with my third child at 37 years old. So now I'm a brand new farmer and I'm old and I no longer have my minivan for a herd of children. Um, so my husband said, do you, do you want to go back and get the minivan? Like, absolutely not. I'm going to make it work. I'm a farmer now. I'm trying so hard to do this. And now I'm a pregnant farmer. Um, <laughs> so needless to say, I did not get the minivan back. I kept with, uh, kept with the truck and and made it work um so yeah so you get you guys have three kids at this point yep so we have we have three, three kids yeah yep yep yeah. uh they're ages 5 12 and 16 
So my two boys have a little bit of city life. Um, and my daughter, my youngest, she's five. She has only lived on the farm. So to her, this is like the she thinks that all the farm things are, are just so, just much, so fun. much fun. The animals, she wants to be outside all the time. And my boys my boy. kind of teeter between enjoying farm life to some extent and wanting to still, you know, have fast internet and get pizza delivered and play video games. Like they still have <laughs> some of that in them. It's, and it's it's yeah. been hard to to break. Um they enjoy the time spent in our woods and on the river and being outside uh but they still know what it's like to live in the city too so yeah so yeah how was yeah so how was the adjustment for them um so this was six and a half years ago right so you had a 10 year old and a six year old like were they really yep. attached to town and living in the suburbs and yeah um, what was that like I, I think that they transitioned much quicker than my husband and I did uh yeah. they <laughs> <laughs> there was there was some adjustment on all of our parts you know if, if I uh was really busy getting stuff stuff done outside or working on a big project there was no like, hey, give Domino's a call and have some pizza delivered because right, it's right. eight o'clock at night and we're all hungry. And if you didn't pull meat out that morning for supper, like there really wasn't a lot of, there's not a lot of options. You're not going to, you know, run down the, the, the street and grab something quick from the deli. You're not going to, you know, run and grab some subs or pizza. It, you, there was that adjustment. Right, we had to plan ahead every meal. I'm thankful for it because we don't hardly ever eat fast food anymore. I mean, really, <laughs> it is such a treat to my kids now. Like, oh, we're going to go to town. Can we get junk food? Like, it is such a treat to them now because every single one of their meals is homemade. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that adjustment period where you had to, you, you can't just run really quickly and, and grab um, some stuff from the store and come back home and at a reasonable hour. Our, all of our trips to town are planned out and we're not just going to town for one thing. Like we're waiting until we need a whole truckload full of stuff. And then mm -hmm. we'll go to town and get all of it taken care of in one day. Um, that part, all of us had to adjust to, but as far as the boys, my two oldest, they, they adjusted so quickly. And to them, it was like, oh, well, you know, last week we were sleeping in this house and this week we're sleeping in, the, in, in a new home. And they just settled in so quickly that um, it it blew me away a little bit. I had a much harder time adjusting than they did um, because I had to learn. I mean, they just have to be kids. Their toys, they still have all the same toys and they sell the same beds and they still are wearing, you know, mostly the same clothes and whatever. I had a whole new wardrobe because now I'm not dressing fancy and going in being a hairstylist and being a teacher, I'm being a farmer. So that means new shoes and jeans. I rarely wore jeans, but why would I wear jeans ever? It was always, you know, nice pants. And <laughs> now I have to have jeans and not just jeans, but like denim that holds up if you bump into a... <laughs> right? And unless you know what it's like to bump into something sharp with those thin stretchy denim pants on you have absolutely no you have no appreciation for true denim I mean I want denim that if I, I kneel on something sharp or bump into something or goat gets me in the side of the thigh that I'm not going to get a hole ripped in my pants so that adjustment was it took a little bit for me trying to figure out like where do you even buy real denim jeans anymore <laughs> <laughs> Levi's Which online <laughs> yeah <laughs> right like, I have to get the ugly jeans now. I can't wear the cute ones anymore. Uh, <laughs> oh, totally. Although I, Carhartt makes a really nice legging that mm -hmm. I am a super fan of. And yeah. well, and now they have like really cute Wranglers women jeans. Oh my goodness. They are adorable and they actually fit you. Like jeans should fit a woman and they're, they're sturdy. They, they're mm. denim. They, they're great. Yeah. 
Wow. Um, <laughs> so when, when we moved here, okay, I had to adjust to, to everything. We had a push mower, like a, just a regular lawnmower when we lived yeah, yeah. in the city, cause we had a tiny little city lot and we moved here. I was trying to mow my two acre lawn with this push mower. And it was taking, I was spending about four to five hours every day, <laughs> every day mowing my lawn. And finally, my husband said, will you go ask the neighbors? There's, uh, they maybe live a quarter mile away. He said, go ask the neighbors to see if you could borrow the riding lawnmower. Okay. We're a couple of city slickers and I'm going to go up to this guy and say, Hey, I just moved here from the city. Um, can I borrow your riding lawnmower? And can you teach me how to use it too? Cause I have no idea what I'm doing. And he, but he did. So I, you know, I went to the neighbor's house like, Hey, uh, I'm Becky. I'm your new neighbor. I have no idea what I'm doing. Can I use your riding lawnmower? <laughs> I didn't even know how to start it. He showed me how to use it. And I got my whole lawn mode like an hour and a half. And I had been spending 12 to 15 hours a week just Whoa. mowing. <laughs> we, didn't know what, we didn't know what riding lawnmower we were going to purchase. And riding lawnmowers are not cheap. So if we were going to spend a good chunk of money, we wanted to make sure that we were going to spend the money in the right place. And we didn't want to make that decision quickly. So in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm tough. I got time. I can, I can mow for part-time job, my own lawn <laughs> every week. <laughs> so until we landed on the lawnmower that we were going to buy, I had to do something. So I only had to borrow this lawnmower a few times and then we finally got our own. Um, but yeah, like backing up a trailer and uh, using a tractor and using a skid loader. Um, most power tools, like I, I guess I know how a drill works, but uh, the majority of things I had to learn how to use because I hadn't used them before or didn't have a need for any of those things before. Like how does an electric fence work and why do you have to plug it in? And there, there's so many little tiny things like that. Um, I had no idea what, how a septic system worked or how a, a well I don't know how it well works, or at least I did it when we first moved here. All, <laughs> our city was city water and our sewer was city sewer. And none of that stuff I, I had ever crossed my mind because it was no part of my past, that past life that my husband and I were living. Um, and it's not something that you would learn in school. It's not, you know, common knowledge like, oh yeah, this is how a septic system works and this is why you need it if you live in the country you just don't think about those kind of things when you're pulling <laughs> your minivan into your tuck under garage in the cul-de-sac you live in <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> totally oh totally and and some of this is like a transition to to being on a farm and some of this is a transition simply from to rural living in general which mm -hmm. so I'm super I'm super curious the those neighbors like the neighbors around you are you in a farming community or are you are you in a rural community or or, or both like how have folks how have folks interfaced with you have they been welcoming and um they well been grumpy I would say a little both yeah. we are definitely in a farming community yeah. uh we have neighbors who are just rural neighbors that don't have farmland. They just have land. Um, my, uh, my neighbor who I borrowed the lawnmower from, uh, his wife is one of my very best friends now. Yeah. She is, she's now retired and she helps me with so much on my farm. I mean, the, she'll help me slaughter chickens and she'll help me can sauerkraut. She helps me with my laundry and watching my daughter and, she would help me with anything that I needed. I don't know if I would still be sane without having her in my life, really, truly. Uh, the, there are farmers around us that uh, are like corn and soybean. They have a feedlot with either cattle or they have hog barns or turkey barns. So we, we certainly have um, those farms around us. Um, I would say that some of those farmers are very much less willing to help us out. I mean, they, they have when we've needed it, they've been there and whatever. Um, 
but I think we get looked at kind of funny even still that you know those those two weirdos that moved down here from the cities and (laughs) 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 one we're not doing things like most farmers do as far as like how we're raising our animals and um, what we feed our animals are we do grass-fed grass-finished beef and more than one farmer, more than one person has said, well, just stick them in a feedlot and pump them full of corn. You'll have them finished in no time. Okay, well, that's not what I want to feed my kids. That's not what I want to eat myself. So we're doing things a little different. We're doing things the hard way in, in some aspects, but the, the payoff is those animals to me are going to taste so much better than an animal that's been sitting in one spot its whole life. So we still get looked at like we're the oddballs and that's okay because not not everybody needs to be this cookie cutter version of a farmer and after six years of being on the farm I have met so many people like me like you that are definitely a, a farmer you know we're living in the country and maybe we have crops or vegetables or um animals and we're doing things uh, right by us and right by nature and trying to do things better than generations before us. Um, we're certainly the weird ones. If you were to see us in public <laughs> buying groceries or, you know, at the store, we we probably don't look, <laughs> our shoes <laughs> might be a little dirty, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say that there is a, a larger community than I first realized of people that are similar to us where they are out there, they're harder to find and they um, they don't have this big beacon of light like, hey, here we are, the, the weird ones, um, but they, they're out there. And those farmers have been such a huge help in answering questions and guiding me in a better direction and um, just being supportive. Um, And now we homeschool our kids, Uh, that community of homeschool moms, many of them also live on farms and it's a smaller farm where they're doing, um, you know, pastured animals and uh, raising good, good meat for their family. So they want to raise that, those animals, right? Um, so there's that community too, that I'm now part of that. I didn't know existed before, you know? Super cool. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I love that. So, so your, so your, your friends from the city and the suburbs, like, do they come visit? What do they think about this now that they see the other, or do they see the other side? Are they just like, nope, they're Um, gone. (laughs) It's, we don't know. Well, it's weird now do. that we live here. I've made friends yeah. since since moving here, and they only know this this version. Okay, the right. post farmer version of me. They don't know the pre farmer version of me. That you know, my eyebrows were drawn on meticulously every morning, and I always smelled like you know Bath and Body Works, and I wore clothes that I ironed every day, and. Um, <laughs> I never really ever got dirty. Like, how would I even get dirty? Uh, Those friends, I think, are still uh, looking at me with a jaw that's on the floor. Like, how on earth did she go from point A to point? How did she even get there? And she's still doing this, and she's absolutely loving it. I know my own parents, my own mother thought there's no way Becky is going to last six months on that farm. (laughs) Because I was never, I've always liked the outdoors, but I was never really that child that really got into the farm stuff or, you know, if we went to the county fair, I'd like seeing the animals, but I wasn't trying to, you know, hop over the barricade and snuggle up with a hog or anything. So I think that they look at me kind of like, really? Is that really you? Are you? They, um, I think they're still in shock and it's been six years, <laughs> <laughs> but they, I have, I have family that comes and visits and friends. And, um, I think that all they need to do is see how happy we are and have how happy our kids are. And if we said, if we're going to run off and join the circus, I think they would have been less shocked than 
by us moving here. Um, but if we ran off and joined the circus and we were just living in bliss and our children were happy, I think that they would just see that and see that's the only thing that really is important to us. If this, if our kids were miserable and if my husband and I were miserable, then I would hope that one of my friends would say, Hey, I think it's time for you to move back. You, you gave it a go. Now it's time to give it up and move back to the city. But I think because they see how much we love it and love being in this environment and in this community that they, um, they don't question it, but I think they're still, <laughs> still in shock. Wow. Well, if it's a total, if you were not that kid that grew up like, oh, you know, I loved, mm -hmm. my hope is to someday be a cowboy, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, that, that little kid who says that, and then eventually they're like, oh, of course they go out to a farmer or mm -hmm. ranch or do their thing. But like, I don't know, that's just wild. So what are some of your favorite parts of what you do now? I mean, you have a whole bunch of different animals. Like what have you gone through that you don't do anymore? You know, what do you do now? What do you, what do you not do anymore? Or maybe you've just added on, <laughs> maybe you've said yes. The sweetest you saying yes. <laughs> right? We did try um, meat goats and that wasn't ideal. So we don't do the meat goats anymore. Um, I think we just keep adding on besides that. Uh, and we have horses now and quail, chickens, guineas, ducks, rabbits, rabbits. Um, peacocks. Uh, I keep bees. Um, yeah. This year we're adding in a, a large garden, just a personal garden for us. Um, we've added mushrooms. Yeah. We grow gourmet mushrooms now. Um, I have have made sauerkraut for the last several years but we've started doing more fermented foods not just the cabbage um so we mm -hmm. just keep <laughs> we just keep adding more more and more and more and as soon as I have a, a few free minutes I'm like hey I'm I have a few minutes I'm kind of bored what else should we do so uh each winter I mean most farmers have downtime during the winter and I'd like yes. to think I have downtime uh, but really it's maybe 10 to 15 minutes each winter where I have nothing to do. And somehow I keep finding new things to shove into that open slot. Uh, so I've tried each winter to grow as far as my knowledge. Um, so this winter, you know, I've picked up welding and um, I uh, have learned about um, the mushroom growing I did one winter I learned sign language one winter I um, oh, wow. have been reading about uh gardening this winter quite a bit because I want to start growing this garden so each winter I keep trying to add on to my knowledge base because they're like I said the, the the amount of stuff I don't know is so infinite that I'm trying to whittle that down just a little bit so I buy a bunch of books and start reading about all that I can read about and learn about. Um, we now have a campsite down in our woods that uh, we put an outhouse in last this past fall uh, into the beginning of winter so that we can spend more time down there and would like to eventually do some agritourism uh, with that campsite. Um, so yeah, I, we keep trying to add yeah. more and grow a little bit. So as soon as you get comfortable with a process. Um, so like meat chickens, for example, as soon as we got comfortable with having meat chickens on pasture, it's like, okay, well, the first couple of weeks having meat chickens on pasture took up a ton of my time because it was so new. And then once you kind of get your process down and figure out what works and what doesn't, then you have a lot more free time. So then you can add on something else. So last winter we started quail and this winter we decided to double the amount of quail that we were doing. So we started incubating our own quail eggs and we doubled the housing size for uh, the quail so that we can grow so many more. Um, the first time I had cleaned a quail last fall, I had no idea what I was doing and it took me a bunch of time. And by quail number 60, I was doing them in a couple of minutes <laughs> each. And it's like, hey. <laughs> Bing, bang, boom. <laughs> right. Right. 
So I think it would be kind of crazy to think that you are only going to get so good at something or when you first start out doing, um, you know, a new animal or a new adventure or a new skill, it takes you so much more time in the beginning. And once you kind of figure it out and figure yourself out with that new thing, then it becomes so much quicker and you're able to then add on more. So when people ask me like, you know, how much, how do you, how do you find time for all this stuff? Well, this is all that I do. So I'm not watching eight hours of TV a day. I'm not on the internet sucking up all my time sitting on the internet, staring at a computer or at a tablet or my phone. I don't spend time um, hardly doing any shopping. Don't spend time at a park. (laughs) I don't spend time being lazy, I guess. So I have this other, this, this big clump of time that I would rather be learning in and doing in versus sitting and staring at entertainment. So I have just as much time as everybody else, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I choose to spend it continuing to learn new things. And as soon as I learn something and kind of get it down, then it's like, all right, I have more time again. And (laughs) and in reality, I actually don't. (laughs) But somehow in my head, I figured out like, oh, maybe I actually do have a few free minutes. I should learn something brand new. (laughs) I feel like we are kindred spirits. Yes. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I'm similar. I'm totally similar. I, and I'm guilty of it. When we lived in the city, we would, my husband and I would watch several hours of TV every night because you're tired from working at a job. And as much as I loved my job, it was stressful and it was taxing on me physically and mentally. So you get home at night and you're, you know, you pick up the kids up from daycare, you get home, you try to cook supper really quickly. And now it's seven o'clock at night and you got to think about, you know, getting the kids a bath and getting them to bed. And you're just so exhausted from busy, meaningless work all day that sitting in front of the TV doesn't seem all that bad where I don't have to rush off to a a nine to five job every day. Every day I'm putting effort into building something for my kids and building something for myself and taking care of things that are alive and Mm -hmm. really give me tons of meaning. So at the end of the day, at seven o'clock at night, it doesn't feel like my whole day has been taxing on me it it's been a rewarding day so to sit and watch tv for four or five hours in the evening feels like it that takes away from my whole day now do I still watch tv absolutely but it's not nearly as much as it used to be we don't hardly spend you know any time money or effort on that entertainment piece anymore because that money I'd rather be sticking into other places like books and going places and adding to the farm and and building up um my kids because that's so much more rewarding than the other the other stuff you know I have two questions one question and it's not a gotcha question okay so if you don't want to answer it it's totally cool but like when you think of the last six and a half years, have you had a worse day that stands out? A few, yes. What's that been like? Um, t- I mean, tough, I, I think of, like one of the toughest days I had was a few days after I came home from the hospital after having my daughter and I had fresh stitches and my husband left for Miami so he could work. It was February. One of my cows had calved and the calf wasn't doing really well. And I had to walk way out in the pasture in February in two feet of snow and drag this calf back somehow. And just that feeling of there's nobody else to do it. It has to be me a life depends on it. Um, and all I wanted to do was 
not be in that position. I wanted to be warm. I wanted to be resting. I was so exhausted from having my third C-section and I was only in the hospital Mm -hmm. for 40, 40 hours with my daughter and they had released me. I came home and the next day, this calf just wasn't doing good. Um, and I, so I was able to get her in the barn and put her on a tarp, dragged all the way back to the barn with my mother-in-law. And I tried bottle feeding her and that she would not take the bottle. So then I, um, I got the tube and was going to try to get, get something in her stomach. And I would say it was an hour or two after that. And she had died. Like I just went through hell and I couldn't even save this calf. And just that feeling of like, just helplessness, you know, they're just, you just wanted to flip a switch and have it just be taken care of and someone to come swoop in and just not be in that position um, where you just feel um, defeated. Just that, that feeling of defeat, like you tried everything you could and it still wasn't enough. And you try to save a life and to, to have lost that life. And now you have, you know, the, the cow that was bellering and my C-section <laughs> tore and like, why, why does all this have to keep happening? It was just defeating being that exhausted. Um, but when I think, when I look back on it, even in that moment, there wasn't any like, okay, let's sell, let's, let's jump ship. Let's get away from this. Let's never have to put ourselves in this position again. Because like I said, there are so many moments where all that hard work is worth the effort that I think about, you know, the, the, the worst days, I think about the worst days on the best days. Like there's no way to gauge how good things are, unless you know how bad they can be. There's no there's no way to know how, how bright something is without knowing how dark it can be. So it was a bad day, but it wasn't, it didn't break me. <laughs> I'm not broken from it. I am curious because you were so, it may not feel like you're fresh, but you were so fresh to this, like just not like, you know, visiting grandparents on a farm. And I think I, I want to do that, even though I didn't grow up on a farm, like you guys really came in so fresh Mm-hmm. what would you oh, yeah. what would you say or recommend to somebody else who's sitting in a day job that they don't love and they want to leave I, the, they want to leave the cul-de-sac what would you suggest to them yes where do they if you're not madly in love with the life that you're living then change it like it doesn't matter how old you are there's so many people that have said oh I would really love to do what you guys are doing but but you know, I'm 50 or I'm 60 or I'm just too old or just not, I just don't have it in me to start over and do something brand new. Like, okay, but you're only getting one life. So even if you only get a few years living that life, why, why not? It's, it would be a shame to not run on full speed in a direction that's going to make you happy because you don't have you don't get to do this over again. Nobody gets to do this over again. This is it. I would say um, that I had no idea how good a hot shower could feel until I was filthy and exhausted from having to work hard. I had no idea what it felt like to really be hungry and taste food after working on the farm all day to sit down and, and have that hot shower and eat that delicious meal. Um, and then to sleep like a baby every night because, <laughs> because you're so exhausted, but it's a good exhausted. It's not, um, when I say exhausted, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that this is just hard work for nothing. It is rewarding work. And there's, every day is a little bit different I, I would say anybody that wants to do it, um, it's it's scary, but so incredibly rewarding. Yeah. And it, at any point in time, you can reinvent who you, who you are. There's nothing that says that, oh, you picked this career 10 years ago or 20 years ago or even a couple of years ago. And there's nothing that says you have to stick with that. If you're not happy, if you're not madly in love with what you're doing every day, then why are you doing it? You're, you're only yeah. getting one shot at this. And nobody gets to, nobody gets a redo. So at any point in time, you can say, nope, this isn't for me. I'm going to do something different. And there is, 
a lot of support out there. Sometimes it's hard to find, but there are people that like you, like me that said, nope, I want to do something different. And we know what it's like to, to jump into that. We know what it's like to, um, to be in that position. So I say, if, if anything, try to find somebody that's doing what it is that you want to do and just say, Hey, Hey, can you just give me some words of encouragement? Can you just steer me in the right direction? Um, because nobody, nobody should be miserable going to a job, but there haven't been any moments of let's, let's move back. Let's give this up. Let's stop doing this. Let's, let's, um, let's go back to the life we had. There's very few things I miss about living in the city and very few things that I miss about my old life. And all of them, there's, there's just things that I miss. I miss getting pizza delivered. I miss having hot food show up that took me no effort to make. Uh, I miss high-speed internet. <laughs> As you know. High-speed internet. <laughs> high-speed internet. Uh, I'm totally um, feeling that right at this moment. <laughs> Our farm, by I, the way, that was a requirement for my husband too. High-speed internet yeah. was an absolute requirement for my husband and my son. Absolutely. and and we still have problems with our we have two internet providers and we still have issues with internet so but it's internet we can we can live without it so yeah I would say those two things I miss about the city but those two things are not worth moving back well it has been an absolute pleasure to talk with you today and thank you for doing what you do and reaching out and and learning about first generation farmers because we're out there there are plenty of us and I think people get this idea stuck in their head, what it means to be a farmer. And I think if, if they just knew that there was more than one kind of farmer, that it might motivate more people to want to be a farmer. Becky is awesome. I especially love her points about food, never tasting so good or a hot shower, never feeling so good before being able to contrast to them. You know, that the, that the worst days make the best days even better it feels like in so many ways, like modern culture and life and social media can be a big part of that. It's just really about things being perfect all the time and about how not quite being perfect isn't good enough. And I just, I totally agree with Becky. Like when we compare experiences in our own life, it's not about every day being perfect. It's about truly coming to appreciate what we have. And that, that just can't happen if we only have perfect days. We need to have some worst days so we can have some best days. So thanks for, for calling that, Becky. Um, in other podcast news, we have just, ooh, I'm so excited. We've just been recently awarded some grant funding to help tell more stories across both New England, um, the six New England states, and then also the Northeast region from Maine to West Virginia uh, over the next couple of years. And so, so excited about that. And then we're also waiting to hear on another funding opportunity to reach out to all types of underrepresented first-generation farmers and ranchers across the country to share their stories. So it is such an honor to be able to share your stories out into the world. And we do have folks in lots of countries who are listening. It's just Farmer to farmer is how we learn and how we build a community. And and that's what I hope that we're doing together one episode at a time. So very excited to, to share some stories from the Northeast coming up. And hopefully we'll do that even more strongly. So fingers crossed and I'll keep you all posted. So just a reminder, if you like this episode, please forward it to a friend. Please leave a review. It only takes a moment. Uh, It's easy enough to do on our website or right through uh, the podcast platform you're listening to. If you have any guest suggestions, please email or message me. I know they're just amazing stories out there and let's bring them to light. Let's share them with more people so they can be um, excited and energized and feel like they want to go to a job that they love every day instead of one that they don't love every day. So if you'd like to subscribe to our mailing list to get new episodes and other program offerings from me um, delivered right into your inbox, or you want to leave a written review or a voicemail comment or a question, I love questions too, just visit choosingtofarm.com. All of the links are in our show notes today. 
Thanks, everybody. I hope you have a great week, and I will see you next time. So here's my husband, Chris Sargent, to play us out.